Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. A long way. From home. In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen. Please be seated. Years ago, when Kim and Taylor and I were in the process of moving from California back to Michigan, we were the victims of identity theft. It was an awful and, frankly, fairly surreal experience seeing a driver's license with your name and information along with a picture who I will just say someone was clearly not one of us. And it's jarring and unsettling, to say the least. In the end, we were very fortunate and we were reimbursed for the significant amount of money that could have been lost in the process. But what astounded us at the time and has stayed with me to this day was how easily someone else could, even for a moment, shake our very foundation by taking something we assumed was so intrinsically ours, our identity, and then claim it for themselves. Hold on to that story for a minute and let's review what just happened in the Gospel on this first Sunday in Lent. Jesus has just been baptized. Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is now led by the Spirit out into the wilderness, where for 40 days he is tempted by the devil. The rest of the story is about three particular temptations the devil uses trying to seduce Jesus. First, the promise of bread when he's hungry. Then the glory and power of all the world's leaders. And finally, the promise of rescue, along with the suggestion that God is not sufficient to keep Jesus safe. And all Jesus has to do in return is worship Satan. It is, on the surface, a pretty straightforward story about temptation. And I suspect we would not be wrong to find value in drawing some meaningful parallels in our own lives at that level. We could do well to simply ask ourselves, what are the temptations facing each of us today? What is taking the form of bread or power or safety in our lives? Where are we tempted to say yes in order to feed a desire or to get ahead, or gain a sense of security, even if what is asked of us in return doesn't align with maybe our core values. That would be enough. That would be worthy of some intentional contemplation. And yet, I think there is another layer to this story as well, one that has less to do with the specific temptations we each wrestle with on a daily basis, and more with the underlying nature of temptation itself. 
Temptation, it seems to me, is as much about what we are pulled away from as it is about what potentially draws us toward. In other words, each time the devil tries to seduce Jesus, in essence, what he is trying to do is separate Jesus from his true self, his true identity, if you will, as God's beloved, filled with the Holy Spirit, in which God is well pleased. And it is in Jesus' relationship to God, not the devil, I would assert in this story, that Jesus is his truest self. I think Christians too often have confused all the things that we shouldn't do and emphasize that focus rather than maybe pointing us to the gift and grace of our primary identity as children of God. And that is what is so powerful about this story for me. Our antagonist, the devil, knows this all too well. Notice how each of the temptations seeks to erode and undercut Jesus' confidence in his relationship with God, with love, with wholeness and healing, and therefore undermines Jesus' primary identity. Meanwhile, our protagonist, Jesus, of course, picks up on this not-so-subtle technique, which seems to be why when the devil offers him bread, he responds with a declaration of trust in God. The next temptation is more transparent, offering Jesus the power of the world's leaders in return for Jesus' allegiance and worship. But again, Jesus knows his allegiance can only be given to the one form who has he received his identity from. And finally, the devil proposes that God is not trustworthy and tries to provoke Jesus into testing that relationship. But again, Jesus, almost in an act of civil disobedience, if you will, refuses. In each case, the devil is seeking to undermine Jesus' confidence in both God and in himself. The devil's goal is to erode Jesus' confidence, his confidence that he, Jesus, is enough, that he, Jesus, is secure, that he, Jesus, is worthy of God's love. And in the face of these temptations, Jesus quotes the sacred story of Israel in order to assert that he is a part of a larger, more powerful story, reaffirming his identity as a child of God. So yes, on one level, this is a story about temptation. But on another level, perhaps, it is also a story about the dangers of identity theft not the literal kind that we experienced as a family, perhaps, but maybe even a more profound kind of identity theft in our own lives. When temptations in our lives seek to shift our allegiance, our trust, and our confidence away from God and our sense of our truest, most authentic selves towards some substitute that promises a more secure identity, that is when I think we, too, are asked to notice and resist. And to make matters worse for just a moment, I assure you this happens to each of us all of the time. I know this because we live in a culture saturated by messages in the media, 
images, through advertising, the meta-narrative, if you will, that we participate in, consciously or unconsciously, convincing us of what we need to buy or be or do in order to be happy and successful and beautiful. And that entire message is predicated on the notion that something in us is lacking, that something in us on our own is inadequate, and a deficit that can only be corrected by purchasing the right product or a plan or a promise, and in the end relies wholly on the conviction that we believe that on our own we are not enough. And if that isn't the worst kind of identity theft, I don't know what is. At that point, we have somehow become complicit in giving away the most sacred parts of our identity as children of God. Our belovedness, our worthiness, our wholeness. So what corrects this course? And is there good news today? Some of you heard me say at our Ash Wednesday services that I feel the purpose of Lent is to discover and then even dare to embrace our most vulnerable and truest selves. That at its heart, Lent is an invitation to stand for just a moment in that self. This morning, in light of Luke's gospel, I would say it is also an invitation to name and reclaim our true identities as followers of Christ. And that is something we need to do not only during the season of Lent, but every day as we face into all of our struggles and our distractions and temptations that try to lure us away from believing we are enough. There seems to be so much around us every day trying to undermine our ability to just stay true and quiet and feeling worthy even when we're feeling broken. We get caught up in the distractions and sometimes confuse our priorities and our promises made at baptism. We forget that we too are filled with the Holy Spirit and during this season, we are led through a wilderness. So what's up with this 10-foot chain-link fence behind me? How is this part of our church or part of our Lenten journey? Well, this longtime folk singer is unnaturally going to refrain from telling you exactly about what it means before we sing the song is what we do, because I want you to reflect on what this fence might mean for you over the past next five weeks. I'll share with you what it means for me today. Today, it helps me remember that I am usually the one. I am the one that creates my own barriers, keeping me from my most authentic identity. For me, today, this fence stands for all the ways that I choose to hide or escape or simply try to evade what is waiting to be noticed and loved and maybe cared for and maybe even 
maybe even healed. Today, for me, this fence is a symbol of separation and an invitation to choose again. I will try to look at this fence today and think about how I can choose again to not be separate and separated from that which is in me that I know needs to be healed and made whole. I encourage each of us to take some time and think about what this fence might represent on your journey. It is my prayer that in these next five weeks, we might dare to slow down. We might dare to forgive and be forgiven. We might dare to speak truthfully to ourselves and to our neighbors, and maybe to even someone we have yet to meet. And that we will dare to risk being seen and heard just as we are. May we each make and take the time to remember and reclaim our God-given identity. May we trust that we are truly enough. May we quiet the noise, slow the pace, and open our hearts. For once in that holy place, the devil will find no resting place, and our true identities can never be taken away. Only shine with the pure radiance that is the promise of God's love. Traveling mercies, my friends, traveling mercies, may it be so.